Exercise doesn't have to be painful. Your diet doesn't need to be bland and boring. It's time to have less pain and move more and learn how to be better to yourself. Welcome to Pain-Free Day with your host, Joshua Cohen. In this program, you'll learn the pain-free way to eat, the pain-free way to exercise, and the pain-free way to live a better life. Now, here's Joshua Cohen. Welcome to Pain-Free Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen. I'm here with Elaine Petrone. She's the, the designer of the Miracle Ball, and uh, I'm very excited about this conversation. Uh, I specialize in trigger points. Um, I've been teaching it for years, so I'm very interested in hearing uh, Elaine's perspective on this. So Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, Actually, it's, it's probably somewhat of an unusual background because I really never set out to do this, um, never set out to develop a body method, especially for stress and pain reduction. I wasn't even going in that direction when I entered college. Um, but then I had my own experience with chronic pain that was somewhat relentless, and so I got pulled in that direction. And then when I was kind of going down all these rabbit trails and started to notice things that worked, I then became almost um, just like on this mission that why didn't anybody tell me this? It, it kind of became, um, you know, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to tell everybody and then I'll get back to what I was planning on doing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and now, many years later, um, I'm still saying I'm going to get back to that, but um, it's kind of taken a life of its own. Well, it's funny that you say that because I really, I personally feel that muscles are not given the credence that they should for the type of pain that they can cause, pain, type of pain they contribute to. I kind of look at it as, I mean, if you're having pain in your body and it has to do with a joint chances are the muscles are involved and whether you can actually get rid of the pain and quote unquote cure it or whether you can just kind of manage it muscle doing the muscle work generally helps out with most type of pain um, if you don't mind sharing would you mind sharing what type of chronic uh, issue you were dealing with that you were able to help out with the miracle ball oh my goodness well i you know i think and i'd love to hear your responses on this as well because i know everybody sort of has their own intuition about pain um, I think some people also um, can get into situations with pain based on their um, personality, their stress. They're more likely, like I was more likely to get into a pain situation than I was, say, um, headaches or stomach aches or anything like that. I didn't know that at the time. Um, and I'm not saying it was in my mind. It definitely wasn't in my mind. But it was something about my personality also exacerbated uh, my muscle tension so that when I started feeling pain, um, I just almost started to um, fight it in a way. I, I got tighter and tighter until it manifested with not being able to move my right leg. So it went from not being able to move a little and at that time, I started, I was dancing, and I started to be able to, you know, I was like lifting both legs, you know, up to the side of my head, and I'd be careful not to hit the side of my head. And then eventually, um, I noticed that I couldn't lift my right leg, you know, maybe halfway, maybe then a quarter of the way, then maybe just a little bit, then it started to get numb, and it started to, you know, 
feel like a lead weight until I was walking with a limb. And, you know, that was so many years ago that there wasn't a lot that people were giving me as far as answers. You know, I did a lot of the routine stuff and then I was on my own. That, that makes a lot of sense. And what you're talking about, it, <clears throat> that progression of pain, I see it all the time with muscles where it's like, you know, muscles will start getting tighter and tighter. You know, you'll get some pain, then it'll calm down. Then you get more pain, then it'll calm down. You have, you know, restricted range of motion. It might come back a little bit, might just kind of continue going away. But a lot of my experiences, a lot of people will say, oh, it's just me getting older. And it's not... It's not getting older. It's just the muscles getting tighter and more irritated. And yeah. I completely agree with you in that certain people's personalities make them more likely to, you know, just some people get more stressed more easily. Some people um, don't get stressed at all. You know, uh, it's interesting. I always kind of, I, I talk to my patients about how, you know, I'll have certain patients that in order to put their mind at ease and alleviate their stress and anxiety about a certain health issue, they have to get an MRI. You know, and it's like, okay, by all means, if you can afford it and it's not going to put you out too much, get it and let it put your mind at ease. You know, see that there's nothing going on in there if there's nothing going on in there. You know, and I find that that really can be very, you know, uh, palliative for a lot of people doing that. You know, but also what you said as well, and that I find people that had very high, you know, who did a lot of very high impact exercising or sports like dancing. Dancing is very tough on your body. A lot of people who danced, even in, when they were teenagers, by the time they're in their 30s, they're more susceptible to joint issues. You know, it's just so much wear and tear. I find, you know, football players, wrestlers, dancers, cheerleaders. You know, I just treated a cheerleader, the, an ex cheerleader the other day that has, she's now a Pilates instructor and she's using that to kind of stabilize things, you know, but um, that's what you, what you describe makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's a pretty, especially since I was 19, um, I was, it was not an age thing, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, definitely. And yet people love to use, um, they also, a lot of people love to use, I mean, I've been doing this so many years, like I said, I'm not a natural teacher, I don't think I'm, you know, have a propensity for, um, or teaching at all, but it's it's kind of this thing where people almost make excuses for their body rather than really changing their body. I think because there's just not enough information out there of what your body can really do for you. And what I do is is kind of bring your body to um, a, a sense of ground zero, which is no longer a really good um, metaphor, but. Um, a sense where you're, you begin to feel your own body. And that's when everything turned for me. Yeah, you know, I sat in this class, you know, I'm sure you know, it's pretty much, my method is pretty much the basis of um, what all somatic work is based on. And we go in through the senses, and what people don't understand is that your body has its own ability to realign, readjust, recover, from what you do to it on a daily basis. It's trying to do that. Now that blows my mind. That alone is like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I mean, I was going to, you know, to doctors, to, you know, therapists, to every person to have them fix me. And I started to, you know, fast forward 10 years, notice and through a lot of things I read that the body really is trying to always recover. That's why a lot of chiropractors like to work with um, people who have done uh, the method is because they notice they're very responsive to treatment. 
know, they don't get to their car and then go back out of alignment. They go, oh, wow, all these other treatments, acupuncture, physical therapy, exercise, everything I do to my body, I'm now in my body, and I know what's working and what's not working. Otherwise, they get home, and people say to me, well, you know, I didn't like chiropractic because I had to go all the time. Well, maybe you didn't really learn what chiropractic was doing for you, and so you couldn't maintain that improved alignment. And so it's, it's just getting to the place where a person really feels like an art form, you know, their body, and understands nobody has your body. That, you know, and nobody knows your body better than you do. You've had it your entire life. You know, um, I'm, I'm a big, big believer in that. Um, you know, and, and it's, there's not a lot of information out there about how to treat musculoskeletal injuries. You know, I like to say to patients, you know, because a lot of people will go to many doctors, you know, orthopedists, and they'll get MRIs, x-rays, nothing shows up. I say, okay, well, chances are that means it's diagnosis by exclusion, meaning that you've ruled everything else out. So it has to be muscles because muscles don't, you know, a complete 100% muscle tear will show up on an MRI. But what you and I are talking about are microscopic tearing of the muscle fibers. We're talking about like a one to 5% total tearing of the muscle where it's not going to show up on an MRI or x-ray, but it really is going to be painful. It really is going to affect your range of motion and how you can use those muscles. So I'm kind of curious, how did you, uh, how did you learn about trigger points and how did you, how did you get into that area? Well, you know, I never did anything with trigger points. A lot of times uh, people will, um, and, and you know, it's a, it's a funny thing that the book is really, the first book really sold um, a lot. And I think it, it resonated with people because it was a sort of something they can do for themselves. So it, it kind of got put into every category, yoga or meditation or exercise and whatever. And actually, I tell people, I don't teach exercise. I don't, um, you know, I don't do massage. I don't, what I do is I give you the tools. This is going to sound so boring. <laughs> I give you the tools to simply feel your own body. Because what happens when you have any kind of a chronic pain situation or elevated stress levels or alignment issues that continually repeat is you literally lose that sense of feeling, that kinesthetic sense that gives you the feeling of your body. It's only the feeling of your body that allows people like you to really do their job where it's a partnership. Without that feeling, the body returns to its habit. And a lot of people, when they've had pain, they're scared to move again. Or they go, oh no, my, my you know, trainer told me, don't do that movement, or that movement's bad for me. Or, and then they decondition themselves, and I see this especially with people as they age, to the point where they stop moving. Or they move in this little box. So, that's really all I do, Josh. <laughs> teach people <laughs> not much to. Yeah, it's 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 very simple, but humans are very complicated, and they like to make it a lot more complex. I just increase feeling in the body, and the body does a lot of the work for them. 
I, <clears throat> I so agree with that though, because you know, the trigger point work that I do, I, I teach it at a chiropractic school and it's very simple initially when you do it. But when you get down to the complexity, the neurology, the, the muscle patterns, all that, it gets so complicated. It's very hard to put your finger on exactly what's going on. But what I find too is that it's even hard to f- put your finger on whether you're getting better or not, because a lot of times you'll have pain and then you'll feel better. Then you'll have pain, then you'll feel better. And it's just kind of like two steps forward, one step backwards. And people, I kind of joke that part of my job is being a cheerleader and saying, hey, look, this is a good sign. You're only able to walk, you know, 10 minutes last week. You're walking 15 minutes now. I understand you're still in pain, but the pain is a little less and you're walking a little more. Those are great signs. You know, but also what you said too makes so much sense in that, a lot, you know, I kind of find the body, it's like over time you fall into these habits and patterns of disuse. You know, certain muscles will get really tight and irritated. They're not going to move as much. Other muscles have to move more to compensate and it throws everything out of balance. But over years of doing that, people really lose touch with their body. And the example that I use is whenever, you know, it's like I'll have somebody go through a range of motion and it's ask them to twist and they can't even twist. They just pump their arms. And I'm like, well, that's not even a twist. You're not even moving from your hips at all, you know? And then that's when you start getting into more serious issues, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction, you know, um, you know, was it uh, my father, my father-in-law was diagnosed with dormant butt syndrome. You know, I've heard that diagnosis from other people as well, where it's like the gluteal muscles get so tight and irritated, they're inactive. And so what you do, what I do, we kind of reactivate these muscles. I kind of like say, hey, we're breaking the muscles out of these old patterns and habits of spasm and inflammation and trying to get them to fall back into their original habits and patterns, you know, and it, it just, it takes time, you know? Um, so do you, do you work with patients one-on-one? I do. I've, I've done a lot of that and I've done a lot of teaching um, and, and writing right now um, because, because the first book has come out again with a revision. Um, what happens is people want teachers they want people to teach them. And at this point in my life, and it was part of my mission, was other people who have been taught, I developed a program to train other people how to teach this, um, are very successful with it. And so that's where I'm putting a lot of my time. And because a lot of stuff is on Zoom now, it actually works very well to do these Zoom trainings online. I'm doing one now. And we have people from Ireland and France and Canada, and it's just kind of interesting how that little book has gotten around, but it kind of reaches out to what you're saying is there's a need for it. There's a, there's a gap. And just to follow through on what you were saying about the pain, there's not enough people that will encourage people to move. Pain is something that's leading you. Unfortunately, when people get pain, I was there. Nobody's more scared of pain than me. I hate pain. But pain has led me to places, powerful places physically, but I had to be not afraid to go there. And people like you and people like me, we need to encourage people because you're confident in what you do. You know you're helping that person go back to a healthy place. Now, my step now is to say, you've got to start pushing past your fear and start getting stronger. And as soon as they feel pain, they think, oh no, that's a wrong move, like twisting. Nobody wants to twist. You know, I can't twist, my doctor said don't twist. Well, maybe he didn't say don't twist forever. You know, <laughs> it's like, don't bend over like forever. <laughs> so 
I don't know. Yeah, you know, but so, uh, yeah. it, exactly what you're saying, though, I find, you know, the more pain somebody's in, the less they're going to move, the less they're going to move, the more pain they're going to be in. And part of what I do, I say, you know, let's just try and get you moving in ways that don't hurt. You know, it's yeah. the first thing that we need to do. Okay, if you can do five minutes on a stationary bike, let's work with that. You know, but the thing, the human body's designed to move. It's designed to be out on a field hunting, gathering for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, not right. stuck behind a desk. And, you know, the more sedentary we are the more issues we get but like you said unfortunately generally the more pain someone's in the more scared they're going to be to move and pain avoidance is a powerful motivator people will do anything to avoid pain and i i personally think that's part of the reason why our bodies fall into these certain patterns and habits over time or to avoid pain you know but if the motion becomes so dysfunctional that it starts messing everything else up and then you, what you find is you know there's people they're in pain they go to their doctor their doctor says hey you need to exercise they try and exercise and then they hurt everything Thing because they're not in shape to exercise. You know, right. so I kind of talk to people like, hey, let's get you in shape to exercise. Let's get you in shape to be able to get a workout, you know, because otherwise you're just going to keep re-aggravating this stuff over and over again. And it can be quite frustrating as a practitioner and also as a uh, client or a patient to have that pain flare up over and over and over again. Um, so now do you, do you, um, well, uh, so how long did it how how long did it take you to design the book and design all the protocols and how did you come up with the protocols for for different joints and different things like that I'm kind of curious. Oh well, I mean when I when you know when I before I was 19, you know I I was actually in college um, I was a classical literature major only just because I like to read. Um, really, I, I got in there based on um, my music training and and I was going to go into music, so so I sort of had to turn around um, and I was you know somebody that did a lot of things you know you see all these college kids you know out you know and down in um, you know New York you know New York University I and mean, that's what kids want to do and that's what I was doing well once I started to lose that feeling in my right leg and I couldn't use my leg or whatever I was just that was it my whole world turned around and I was just spending hours and hours just going down these rabbit trails, I have no idea why, but it was the only thing that took the pain away and the depression, because the depression of not being able to move was really plaguing me as well. So I saw like a little opening in the door, so I started going down there. So to answer your question, how did I put it in place? I lost a lot of friends. <laughs> I stayed home all the time and um, didn't know, and I'd spent years Oddly enough, because again, I, I'm like the least likely person. I ended up working in hospitals from a young age. I would have a friend whose um, husband maybe was a doctor. That was one of the first. And he had fallen off his roof at a young age and had these recurring systems of pain or whatever. And she knew me and she said, would you work with him? And then he brought me into um, this setting where they were doing research on chronic pain and and I just always ended up with my little, you know, there was a lot of men in that group, I remember, because this was like in a hospital and it was a research program, low back pain, lots of men. And they would come into the room and they would see me and they would always leave. And then they would leave and they would come back in. So finally I asked the doctor several weeks later and the program was really successful. And he goes, yeah, they take one look at you and they go, what the heck is she going to do for me? is they thought they have such big pain, they need a really big solution. 
And there I am with my little ball and my little ball bag and my little, you know, benches and all that stuff. And yet eventually all these guys were carrying the, the ball bag back to the car because they realized that they could get relief if they understood their body a little bit more. And if they stop, and I think what this work does is it takes some of the fear away. And they, the world needs more people to go out there and say, pain, you can't always be afraid of it. Yes, acute pain, you know, I fell skiing or something like that. Yes, but long term, I mean, I was in bed for a long time. So I understand that fear of I can't move and everything hurts and please give me the drugs. Just give me whatever drugs you have. <laughs> you know, I was there. That, that's part of what I talk to people about is when you're in pain, you're desperate. And if the pain's right. very intense, people are willing yeah. to take any t anybody that's offering a solution. And there really are snake oil salesmen out there. And mm -hmm. if your pain is bad enough, you go see enough surgeons, you'll eventually find somebody who will do surgery on you, whether you need it or not. You know? Um, oh, yeah. And what you were saying made a lot of sense too. Uh, I want to talk about this for a section, but there, second, but there's such a con, there's such a um, connection between pain and depression, and it's very common after a major illness for people to go through a depression and you know be depressed about it. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's like just alleviating some of this pain is a great way to help reduce stress, anxiety, yeah. depression. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to see a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I've seen so many people who have musculoskeletal issues who, like you said, nobody can figure out what's going on with it. And they've just had to deal with it for five to 10, 20 years. And it's very depressing. It's distracting. You know, it affects their entire life. It affects everything yeah. about their life. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I kind of like to joke with people where you don't appreciate how much you use your back until you can't use yeah. it anymore, you yeah. know, and then you realize it. So, but another thing you were mentioning too, though, you know, when I teach when I teach uh, the trigger point therapy to chiropractic students, um, I always have females in the class and a lot of times smaller females. And one of the things I like to talk to them about is, look, you can do just as much as any bigger guy can. It's just using your leverage, you know, and a lot of times you get these big guys that come in and like, oh, she's little, she's not going to be able to do anything for me. I'm like, those are the guys you want to press harder on. You know, let them know, let your presence be known, you know, and as long as you're not trying to muscle it, as long as you're trying to, you know, kind of like with the miracle ball, you're using your weight, you're using your balance. Using your weight, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like you can do that when you're working on somebody and make your presence known and really get in deeply enough, you know. Um, another thing you mentioned too, though, that I liked is like as well, and I see this a lot, you get a lot of people that think musculoskeletal pain, you know, they're having this bad pain and they're like, oh, this is too deep, too intense to be muscular. And it's like, uh, not necessarily, you know, I like to say to people, muscle pain can be more intense, more intense than a bone fracture and can last longer than a bone fracture. You know, I've had multiple women say to me, they'll take natural childbirth any day over back pain because <laughs> you can get away from, uh, from childbirth. You know that the pain is going to go away, but back pain, it doesn't go away. You know, so that makes a lot of sense what you were saying, you know, and I assume that it took a while to really kind of build up momentum and have people see, hey, this stuff really works. Like one of the things that we like to joke is a motto for, for Nemo should be this shit works just because it does, you know, yeah, really. That's a good, yep. yep, yep. <laughs> no, and it does. And it does. And there are so many, I remember a woman coming to me who um, should have had this horrible situation with um, having been in a coma from a car accident and blah, blah, blah. And so there was stuff going on and she, she loved the method and was pretty religious, but there was stuff going on. And so she came to me and she said, 
you know, my um, doctor wants me to take medication for my depression. And for some reason, she thought, you know, because I work with pain and I use these balls. And, you know, of course, everybody thinks that the ball is like a massage tool. Um, but it's really, it's, it's really, the, you don't even need the ball. But it's easier to use the ball in the sense of a creative feeling. So she looked at me when I said, okay, you know, and she thought I would say, no, you're not going to, don't take any medication, you know, just drink, you know, green juice and you'll be fine. No, that's what people think. And I'm like, you do anything you can to try to help yourself. You know, I mean, if you're, I said, what were you doing? I mean, she was doing horrible things to hurt herself. I was saying, I don't want to say her name. I was like, come, you know, try to help yourself to feel you know, to feel better. Pain is a very, you know, pain is such a funny thing. When, when I had one of my worst episodes in pain and I had gone, you know, for x-rays and whatever, there was nothing on the x-rays. And that could be horribly frustrating. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, yeah. And then I could see the look on the doctor's face, like, okay, time to send her into the, you know, <laughs> the psych ward, you know, that kind of thing. And I was just like, but I cannot, it's, it's frustrating for doctors as well because I know they want to help people. And that pain episode, just to what you're saying, the best thing was having people like yourself who just said, move, just move. And luckily, because of the method I was working with and what I started to believe and understand, is every time the pain got worse from moving, I at least knew I had a tool when I got home to take it down, right? And so it gave me that feeling of like a little bit of control here. But people, you don't realize how important it is for people like yourself to tell pain does not mean don't move. You might get more pain when you move. Yep. It doesn't mean it's bad pain. It means you've been sitting down afraid like I was for so long that of course you're going to feel like crap when you start. Don't, you know, but there's not a lot of people saying that. There's just not. That's it. You'll be deconditioned when you're in pain and you're not doing stuff for a while. And when you try out and try and go out and do something, it makes sense that things are going to flare up. No yeah. doubt. Hey, so we need to take a pause just for a couple of minutes for a uh, commercial break, but I'm really enjoying this conversation. Uh, all of you listeners, I hope you uh, join, stick with us and can listen to the second half of the conversation with Elaine Petro. Thank you very much. Are you in pain? Has your doctor told you that you need to start exercising, but you don't know where? Do you want to exercise, but you are in too much pain? Or you start a new exercise routine only to injure yourself and have to stop? How do you exercise when you are in pain? How do you exercise and eat to reduce pain and inflammation? Is your pain associated with what you eat? If you have any of these questions or are interested in any of the topics discussed on Dr. Joshua Cohen's show, then you'll want to check out CohenTriggerPoint.com. You'll find information on all of the topics covered on the show. The site features an extensive library of blogs covering most health topics. There's also an exercise and nutrition program that is designed to get you from not exercising at all to moving, exercising, and eating healthy in consistent ways that are easy on your body and wallet. 
Join the gentle revolution. Go easy on your body because the rest of the world won't be easy on you. Exercise smarter, not harder. Eat smarter. Don't follow fad diets. Exercise sustainably. Eat sustainably. Have a pain-free day. You are listening to Pain-Free Day with Joshua Cohen. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to josh at cohentriggerpoint.com. Now, back to Pain-Free Day. Welcome back to Pain-Free Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen. I'm here with Elaine Petro, and you can she's with the she's the designer of the Miracle Ball. You can find her on www.miracleballmethod.com. You can also find her on Facebook. Uh, it's E L A I N E P E T R O N E, and she's offering free webinars on how to use the how to use the Miracle Ball. Uh, check her out. She has a lot of very good information on there. So we're going to get back into the conversation. You know, um, Elaine, we were talking about a couple things that uh, that was really interesting in the past you know, in the past half an hour that I, I just want to expand on a little bit. You were saying that you know when you went um, either you did or I, I think you did you went. And, um, you got x-rays for your hip and nothing showed up on it. And what I was saying is that can be very frustrating, but that's very common. And a lot of times people will have pain and say, I'm going to go get an x-ray or MRI. They're going to, it's going to show me what's going on. Not necessarily, you know, and I kind of find it's more, more likely than not, you're not going to get any answers from it, yeah, you know, and yeah. more so you just kind of like end up ruling things out. And yeah. what I like to say to patients is, look, that's a good thing. It's a good thing that nothing showed up on an x-ray right. or MRI, because if yes. it did, that mean it'd be something much more serious and much more insidious and harder yeah. to treat. You know, good. It's it had, nothing showed up. So that means chances are it's muscles. Chances are I can help you out. You can help you out. Yeah. You know, that, that, that yeah. made a lot of sense. Yeah. Now that is such a, that's a, you know, I was watching um, an interview years ago and there was the um, head of, um, at Yale University who taught doctors, right? He would do these lectures and all the young interns would come in at the end, you know, they'd struggled to get to that point, to get their degree. And he would give this speech. And the first sentence was, uh, medicine is more art than science. And he said there would be a collective side of just what did I go through this last 15 years of struggle, residency, and you're telling me it's more art than science? And he would say, this guy, this head doctor said, people hate that. But he goes, every person, there is no one way. And that's what I love about the Miracle Ball Method. And that's why, you know, even though my students kind of named it, and I was kind of like, Miracle, really? I mean, I don't know. But then I didn't want to put ownership on it with my name because I felt like it's a part of the body. It's not me. I'm not, I didn't make this up. This is, is sort of why he said that word art. And what you're saying is sometimes it doesn't make sense, but the body does know a lot. And that's the piece of it that if we kind of give a little bit more like maybe this pain is leading you to a better place than you realize. Maybe you can feel a little bit more and move around more. And if you trust Josh, go to Josh. If you trust your, you know, whatever. But you've got to participate in your healing. 
I completely agree with that because there's only so much that we can do. There's only so much that we can do as practitioners. We can calm things down and get things balanced out, but then the patient themselves or the client needs to do some things to stabilize it, to strengthen their muscles up so they don't fall back into these patterns of spasm and inflammation. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Oh, I was going to say something. I totally forgot what, but um, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. That's okay. I can keep talking. (laughs) Um, What you were saying though, and I like to say this to patients of mine and that, you know, it's like really pain through that experience and coming in to see me, I want them to learn something about their body. Get a little more in touch with your body through this. You know, it's not a bad thing to have pain. It shows you something's going on. It's your body's self-protective mechanism. Yeah. And also what you're saying too about medicine being art and science. I teach that in my class. I love that. My father talked about that because wow. it really is. And like you said, like the doctor said, no two human beings are alike. You know, I mean, we're alike, but we're not exactly the same thing. Right. And there's a saying in anatomy that I really like that we're as different on the inside as we are on the outside, meaning we're all going to be wired just a little bit differently. Our muscles are set up a little bit differently. And when patients ask, well, why do I have this pain in my right hip versus my left hip? Well, maybe when you're 12 years old, you could have fallen out of a tree and landed on that left hip. Maybe your one leg bone is longer or shorter. Maybe your one hip joint is deeper or shallower. You know, we have all these little asymmetries in our bodies that will make this stuff more more likely to happen, but it's hard to kind of recognize that when you're going through it. And people want the answer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's what it is. They, They feel like if they get an answer of one leg is shorter, then they're going to be that's what they want, but they they have the answer and they're not out of pain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll say, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, but you're in pain. So you're in pain anyway. Why don't you give it a try? <laughs> you know, like that's what I had to do. I had to just keep moving even though I had the pain. Yep. And, um, you know, and that's what we have to get our patients doing, you know? So now let me ask you, so what exactly is the miracle ball? What's it made of? Like, what's it, uh, is it hard? Is it soft? Like, no, it's actually soft. Let me show you one. Please. Soft, like grapefruit size ball. And the balls in the book um, are, you know, sort of, I call them generic. You know, they're sort of probably a little softer than some people might like, and um, yet other people would probably want them even softer. So it's a very basic little PVC ball with a little bell. So if you want, you can use a bicycle pump and make it firmer. Or, you know, that some people are just convinced that if it doesn't hurt and if it's not really hard, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not like that. I said, you can, I mean, I got to the point you know, when I started that I became more obsessed um, <laughs> with uh, what I was doing, that I, I was like the connoisseur of balls. And at that time, you know, people had started using balls, you know, and you know that, I mean, all different kinds of balls, people put tennis balls under their back and whatever. And um, I remember going into a class and this person handed me like this piece of crap ball. I mean, like she'd gotten it at a local drugstore and of course, I was a snob. I always am. You know, it's like, oh, I know what I'm doing, you know. And I was like, that's oh, ball. Well, of course, it blew my mind. I realized, I learned, it's not about the ball. It's about what you do when you're on the ball. What you mentioned it earlier was to give in to gravity. Bodies move by the experience of weight shifting in space. That's how they move. 
And breathing has a lot to do with whether or not you'll be able to experience the weight of your body. So all the ball is, whether it's that soft crap ball, that's when the light went off. It wasn't the ball. It was that I was feeling the weight on the ball and my brain then started registering. You don't need to hold that area anymore. So like, let's say you put it, um, one of my favorite ones is um, elbow on the ball. So elbow on the ball is great for all of us at home, over the computers, because it passively rotates your upper arm bones. So most of us, wherever the arm goes, so goes the rest of the body, right? You know, we don't realize when we reach, everything goes with it. So now when you passively put it under the elbow, gravity is gonna slowly begin to rotate the shoulder, but it's also, you have to decide if you're gonna let these things happen. So that's why I'm always like, don't assume you're actually giving into the weight. You know, because that's where it's an art. Don't assume like, you know, I'm just throwing paint on the canvas. Okay, that's different than really feeling your art form and your body is your art form. And maybe you don't like art, but it's your body, so you're going to have to kind of like it. You know, you're going to have to find something to enjoy. You know, and I saw this a little while ago, and I thought it was so fascinating in that there's scientists that were analyzing how the body moves. And what they said was that, you know, how each of us move is like a fingerprint. You know, really, it's so different how we activate our muscles, how we take a step. Everybody moves just a little bit differently, you know, and that, you know, and so how we are are all going to react to the miracle ball, to different trigger point therapy, it's all going to be different. But part of it is giving in and just letting go and trying, trying to let go. And I do a lot of yoga and it amazes me how you get a lot of people that cannot bend backwards because they spent so many years leaning forward that they've kind of almost lost the ability, but they're very scared of leaning backwards. Yeah. So they won't do it. And that I tell people there's absolutely no movement that's wrong for you. It's just movements done wrong. You know, meaning like you have to listen to your body. You can't, like you said, you can't go backwards. If you feel like you're forcing it, you have to, you know, gradually, but there's no movement. It's not wrong for you to go backwards. It just means you may have to get there in a little bit of a circuitous route, you know, take your time, but explore everything, do it all. But, you know, but that's part of it. The journey is part of the process, you know, and that's how you learn about your body. And part, I was like joking with people. My father used to joke about this. The way you learn your limitations is by exceeding them and flaring things up, you know, right. and that's going to happen. It's part yeah. of the healing process. You know, go out there, try things, you know, don't go crazy. And I always like to say to people, look, you know, it's best case scenario. You finish up your runner, your walker, your weightlift, feeling like you could do more. You don't want to f- finish up saying, oh, that was too much. So you do want to listen your body, but it's part of the learning process and part of the healing process is trying things, exceeding your limitations, pushing things, seeing what your body can do because we have to do that. Otherwise, you know, we end up just not moving at all. Yeah, that's true. So that's pretty cool though, that the miracle ball is full of air. I was just kind of assuming it was like full of sand or something like that, something a little harder. Okay. It's really more about like the miracle ball method. You know, so it's not so much a miracle ball as much as it is the method. And what's miraculously miraculous about the method is it's, I say, it's really your body's method. It's your body's method of realigning and readjusting based on the feeling, like we said, the the blueprint. So you're sort of taking what you experience 
And then you have to be free to be the choreographer of your life. You know, you're the one that decides how you want to move. And I know people sometimes embrace that. Um, I think a lot of people do. And then some people just, you know, again, maybe that's just um, too free. You know, just give me the answer, you know, give me the directions. Um, but there are no direct answers. There's really not. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. And the body is just, you'll, yeah. I mean, I think there's something for everybody um, with your with your body. But I tell those people that are a little bit too into um, laying on the ball, like I have a little issue with like words like relax or release or let go, right? I don't use those words at all. Because those words are um, emotional in a way. They're intellectual. They're the result that you may want, but the directions to get there in the method are very different. So the physical body needs directions that relate to what it feels like. And then you might feel completely relaxed or you might feel like you let go. But if you let go, it's simply like saying, okay, so this is the ball, I've got a connection to the ball, so now I can do what I want with this ball. If I let go, you let go of part of your body, it's gone, it's like the kite out in space. So people have to realize they get into these different kinds of relaxation things, there's nothing wrong with them. But then like you're saying, they don't push themselves the other way. You can't just like, like they're afraid to move, right? Yeah, letting go is, is, is mental, yes, let go, and let go and run. You know, you can yeah. let go and lift weights. You know, you don't have to let go of like just I let go of my body. Because they're trying to let go of the pain. You can't get out of your body. You know, you can't. Yep. And it so deal with it. <laughs> and, and like what you were saying earlier, especially with musculoskeletal issues, and unfortunately, especially with being a woman, a lot of times women will be told, oh, it's just, you know, it's in your head. You know, my father would talk about, he had patients that, you know, would literally told, go have another child and you'll be fine. You know, mm-hmm. crap like that, that is just so, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's putting somebody down, you yeah. know, uh, it's condescending, you know, um, and it's like, you know, it, it, it can be very hard to put your finger on these musculoskeletal injuries and can be very hard to diagnose them. And a lot of time, medical doctors will say, well, if I can't figure out what's going on, then it has to be in your head. And that's not true. It's just that they're not able to figure out what's going on. So go to somebody else and keep going until you find an answer that you really, that makes sense to you, that resonates with you. And that makes sense. You know, cause I have a lot of patients that they're like, well, I got this diagnosis, but it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit because of this, this, and this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. trust your instincts. You know, mm-hmm. chances are it's not that, or maybe you have a little bit of that, a little bit of something else. That's true too. Yeah. But, I wanted to ask you though, so what can, uh, what are some of the issues that you, uh, that you recommend using the miracle ball for? You know, what are some of the injuries? Uh, well, I mean, I mean, there's, there's like you just pointed out that sometimes there's several things going on. Like maybe you, um, like for me, one of, you know, one of the big, there's so many big things. Um, the first thing I tried was the neon ball and I was diagnosed as I'm sure probably sense that from what I was saying about my right leg, one of the diagnoses was sciatica, right? So the pinched nerve on, you know, the hip and then there were issues with, you know, piriformis and, you know, then there's of course knee pain and all that kind of stuff. 
And, but like you said, um, that after the depression and so many um, things that I'd gotten diagnosed with over the time, that it just, it was, it was just this ball, ball, this clump. I had no sense of my body whatsoever. And I was a dancer, which is weird, because a lot of athletes, sometimes they're great at what they do, but that doesn't mean, like they're, they're trained to do that. That doesn't mean that they're trained to actually allow their body to recover or feel better, you know? So, yep. so I didn't understand what, you know, like I'm like a control freak, what? You know, like I didn't have any sense of that was knee on the ball. And that was life-changing. I know it sounds crazy, but that's when I saw God. I really was just like, and I mean, I never went to church or, you know, I had any sense of spirituality in my life, but I went, oh my God. Because for a moment, Josh, for a moment, when I first put that ball under my knee, for a moment, the pain stopped because I didn't realize I, st I stopped holding my legs. I never knew holding the muscles this is where the body's a little insidious. Holding sometimes becomes so habitual. And there's actually a developmental thing in, in um, when you're a baby, when you first learn to hold the rattle. And, and I remember like reading, you know, about babies when I had babies and I was like, you know, oh wow, look, he's holding the rattle. Why isn't he putting the rattle down? Well, I didn't realize there was a whole action that they had to learn in order to let the rattle down. Like, I was like, wow, they learned to hold, and then you had to let it down. So I had just been holding. Based on my childhood, I might have been holding for 10 years, like you said, or maybe there had been a previous injury, and I would just, but I'd lost the feel. So once I put that knee on the ball, that was the rabbit trail, and the knee moved. I was like, what? It stopped holding and it just kind of rolled to the side of the ball and my whole leg up into the hip rested for a moment. Just a moment. That's all I needed. Just that moment. And I was like, if my leg could stop clenching, even for a moment, I thought there's got to be something here. Yeah. Years later that I figured out what I was doing because I didn't want it to be an accident. And that's what all the doctors at the time were telling me. You're lucky you walk without the limp or get dancing again. It wasn't that as much as my neighbors at the time who were saying, even dance teachers, who I was like, oh, you have an injury? Once you get an injury, you're kind of, you're, you're like, you know, they put you out to pasture because, you know, that means you're, you're likely to just continue to have to not perform and not go out there and all of that. So that's how it started. Did I answer your question or did I go off on another rabbit trail? That uh, that, that's okay. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was finding that fascinating because I, I see that and so I see that play out in so much because I deal with a lot of, I've worked on a lot of professional ballet dancers. We were the, I was a chiropractor for the Pittsburgh Ballet Theater for wow. a while. And you see that, you see, you know, where it's like once a student gets injured or once a dancer get it, gets injured, yeah. it affects their whole career and a lot yeah. of times you know it's like that's what's going to end somebody's career it mm -hmm. is an injury you know yeah. but also what you said as well in that a lot most medical doctors are very good at getting people back to a baseline but if you take somebody who operates and exists above that baseline who's like an athlete you know really exercises takes care of themselves they're not going to be very good at getting them back to that baseline they're good at getting them back to a regular person's baseline and that's why they're saying to you ah you know you'll just have to live with this you know because right. they figure it out but right. I was 
like to say to patients, it's like, there's always something you can do about this. There's always something you can do. And so what I was asking you was, you know, what type of issues or injuries this can treat, you know? So, I mean, I mean, basically I think what we're talking about, any type of tendonitis, any type of ligamentous issue, muscular issue, sprains, strains, like you were mentioning sciatica, I find sciatica most of the time is caused by muscle sprains in the gluteus maximus, medius, and minimus. Totally, you know? totally. Those suckers yeah. will give you pain, tingling, and numbness going down into your leg and foot without mm-hmm. it being sciatica, yeah. you know? And so there's all these misdiagnoses, kind of garbage can diagnoses that mm-hmm. medical doctors will give people or just doctors will give people in general because they can't really figure out what's, what's going on and the patient wants, like they want a medication and they want a diagnosis. Yeah, that's what they want. And I I totally relate to that having been in pain. But all I can say to people, and I think this is what you're saying as well, but having been in that bed for that long period of time, and having had pain where I was literally begging for like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it ruins my life. I got to get out of this pain. But I luckily, my doctor was like, No, not giving it to you. Because if you take those drugs, you're never getting out of bed. He goes, I want you out of bed. So again, there's a lot of, oh, you know, things going on there, but that is what people need to do. They need to start, you know, getting out of there, moving again. And um, that's, what's going to make the difference. And, you know, in the miracle ball, it seems like it's a great way to get people moving. You know, and the thing is, it's like, if you're in pain, you have to calm the pain down and balance the joints out before you start exercising, because you can't strengthen up a, a spasmed, irritated, inflamed joint. Exactly. If, yeah, if exactly. you do, it just makes it worse. You know, yeah, and that's the thing is that people really do need to understand that they have to, um, you know, sort of embrace, like, like you said, you said those doctors, they take, you know, some doctors take people back to a baseline, but I know for myself, I always wanted to dance. I mean, I'm still dancing and, you know, not 25, um, you know, well, far from it. And, um, and, you know, I've gone through all kinds of injuries and, but I don't stop. I say, okay, if I got an injury, there's something that I'm doing there's a weakness somewhere. And I just find that weakness. And what I talk about in the book are some key areas of the body. Like most people who have neck and shoulder issues, right? It's, well, again, once you have the heaviest part of your body, your head forward, right? You know, that's the end of the road for most human spines is that their head is forward. But what they try to do is they try to lift themselves up with their neck, their jaw, their shoulders, and they try to lift up that way rather than really finding that sense of where their head is in space. So spatially, people lose that feeling of key areas. Another key area is the leg joint. That was for me life-changing. I had no idea how by getting a sense of where, just like the elbow joint, right? By that feeling of how the leg bends in the pelvis, it automatically can either lengthen or it can shorten your lower spine. In my case, one side more than the other because I wasn't really bending at my leg joint. I was tightening, like you said, the glutes, curling my pelvis and keeping everything locked. So I never was able, every time I lengthened my leg, it was shortening my spine. So those key areas we talk about and just you know get people to start noticing Again, so they know their body and you know it just makes 
oppositional. They don't talk about oppositional stretch, you know, especially with adults. And it just makes me nuts. It's like people reach their arm and they don't have any grounding. So there's all the tension is in the shoulders and the hips. They don't get it in the middle. One of the things that you said that I, I see play out in a lot of ways is that you have these young people that are very uh, hyper flexible that can do these positions and moves, but they're not doing them right, you know, and they're doing them in a way that's going to hurt them. They can get into the pose like in yoga, but they're not doing it right. They're get, they can get into it because they're too flexible, but then they'll end up hurting themselves long term because they're not doing it in the right way. I know we're so superficial. It's like people will look at me because, you know, I am so flexible. I wasn't flexible. But I became flexible. I went from one extreme to the other and blah, blah, blah. And flexibility, I said, no, no, flexibility does not replace strength. You need to have strength. Bodies need resistance. Tension is a good thing. That's why I don't like words like relax, because people think tension is bad. No, tension is good. If you have no tension, you've got a problem. And again, this is the education piece of it. That, you know, I'm a small, you know, cog in this big wheel out there. But it's the reason I feel so passionate about it is that it's a it's somewhat a way for people to feel that they have some confidence that if you find key areas of your body, if you understand something about breathing, people always think deep breathing. And then they just love this when they get insulted when I say, no, you're probably not breathing. I'm a good breather. Okay, well, first of all, this is there's no Olympic medal for this. You know, I'm I'm just right. saying that chances are you're great at breathing during your yoga class and as a singer, but breathing and muscularity are married. They're seamless. So when you walk around through your day, it's you don't need to deep breathe, but you might be holding your breath based on your postures and the way in which you live in your body. So most humans don't have trouble breathing. They don't know they're holding their breath most of the day. Yep. So telling them to breathe is like you know, they're going to overbreathe. They're going to get more anxiety by overbreathing mm-hmm. and more weird physical sensations. Yeah, especially if they're not doing yeah, if they're not doing it in the right way. That makes sense. Well, we are getting to the end of our time. Um, this has been a fascinating conversation. Elaine, is there anything else you'd like to add in uh, for closing? Um, no, I mean, this is great. I mean, you've been amazing. It's great to talk to somebody that really um, is, you know, on the same page and hopefully help some people that, um, you know, can try some of the things in the books and come on the website and hear what we're all about. That's but Thank that's, you so much. This is great. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining me. All of you out there, I hope you learned something today. Once again, this is Elaine Petrone. She's with the MiracleBallMethod.com. And you can find her on Facebook at E-L-A-I-N-E-P-E-T-R-O-N-E. And she has free webinars and a lot of information on Facebook. So please check her out. Thank you all for joining us. And I hope you all have a pain-free day. Thank you for listening to Pain-Free Day. Make sure you join Joshua Cohen for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go enjoy your pain-free day.